Hey guys, we're here for episode eight of the e-commerce opportunity, and I'm joined by Kobe. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, bro. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm so pumped for you to be here. Your energy and your vibe, I, I know it's already going to be great. So let's let's dive in. Do you mind kind of yeah, starting by telling me, uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, right now, I spend majority of my time working on two main brands. One of them is in the beauty space, and I started this right before COVID started, and it's been phenomenal. And then I'm working on another uh, brand in the apparel space. It's actually like a bracelet company that has like an emotional theme. And I've been working on that with another team since 2017 at this point. So that's probably the, the longest project I've been working on so far. Right on. And what were you doing before this? Like what set you up to run your own brands? Oh man, I have done so many things. I've worked at an agency, like like running PPC campaigns and stuff for trampoline parks. Uh, from there, I moved on to kind of having my own clients while kind of drop shipping at the same time and doing one to sustain the other and just live. Um, and then that's when I transitioned into uh, having my own brands and kind of drop shipping, kind of blending it all together in like my own kind of way. I love that. So then I guess we'll kind of talk about your brands and whatnot in a minute. But can you walk me through like, what's your decision making process of you? You've obviously done a lot and you're working on two things now. How do you think about starting something new? Or how do you think about investing your time in, in another project? Do you have like a, a process or routine you follow? Mm. Is it a feeling like, what does that look like? Mm. Um, it's more of like, uh, just a feeling, but the actual tangibles that I go by when it comes to like starting a new project or how I got into the projects that I am now is one, it needs to be like very emotionally driven, right? I never have tried to sell things the cheapest, even though there's people that make millions doing that, becoming like supply chain experts, all that. I've always just gone after like, Hey, what has an emotion and I can build a story around it. And then from there, I'm like, okay, this has those attributes. Is there a smaller market that's like underserved that wants their voices heard that I could take this like broad emotion story and kind of cater it specifically to this small group of people? Amazing. So it's basically you, you believe in the opportunity and you find kind of the, the niche or the, the room to kind of exploit um, an opportunity. And I don't mean exploit in, in a bad way, but a really a great way yeah. to ser- serve a market that has a need that you've identified. Exactly. Like I'm not trying to compete with the top 1% of killers. Give me some people that like aren't as talented, but are still making money. And that's what I want to go against. I love that. And I'm actually really excited to talk about this, this next part. I think this is all going to time really nicely. Um, I really want to yeah. talk with you about drop shipping and kind of building, and I have air quotes, kind of a traditional e-commerce brand. Yeah. Do you see like the drop shipping versus the traditional e-commerce brand? Do you see those as two different paths or do you think they're more similar than people think? I personally would say it's more similar than people think, but that's because how I do it. But in the traditional term, of course, like drop shipping has a super negative uh, connotation from people scaling up to infinite numbers uh, as fast as they can and not like building their team, their customer service, the infrastructure, the inventory, and just cutting their losses when Facebook bans them or they can't be profitable anymore. I think that's what that type of drop shipping is very different from building a uh, traditional brand. And I'm not even going to lie. Like I've tried to do the whole, oh, see a product uh, running on Facebook and basically just copying it. And that has never, ever 
worked for me. And also when you do it like that, you kind of can't necessarily like follow your morals of being honest and taking care of your customers. So if you are an honest person who tries to drop ship that way, you're going to lose because you're going to be taking care of your customers to the best of your ability, but you're absolutely setting yourself up to lose because you know, it's going to blow up. It's just a matter of when, not if, but the way I have really found success with like drop shipping is just treating it as a way to test the idea that I have, not as just, Hey, I'm just going to find whatever I can find that's selling. I'm like, no, like, okay, this is a product I know I could sell, but before I spend five, 10 grand on my first batch of inventory, let me just go find it anywhere that I can get a smaller batch for a couple hundred, a thousand dollars and then test it. That's like drop shipping in its own way. Like I've gone as far as um, it, like it's bigger than AliExpress. I'll go on Etsy, find a person who is selling the product I want, uh, uh, send them a message saying, Hey, here's what I do. I would love to sell your product under my brand, but I'm just starting off. Um, can you ship your product for me? And what yes. would that price be to not have a, uh, a label on it? And that goes more for like, if it's uh, anything related to like beauty or something like that, you don't want to drop ship anything that's kind of health related from like AliExpress. So I would go to Etsy or Etsy also just has things that AliExpress isn't going to have. It has handcrafted things. It has all types of original ideas that people came up with. And you can build those relationships with them there to get your drop shipping done. And I feel like that isn't too far off from a traditional brand because you're trying to get to that traditional brand space by just taking care of your customers, build up your own brand reputation, and then eventually order your own inventory in bulk, ship it yourself or use a 3PL, however you ship it. But either way, if you're trying to take care of your customers, it's all the same. It's all going to fall under the same umbrella. Dude, I, I love this. So it's basically what I heard to kind of just to regurgitate back is um, the way that you view drop shipping is almost as a way to test, you know, an idea. And as soon as you feel like, you know, hey, this idea has validity, people like this product, and I see the opportunity here, then you kind of put on the cap of, all right, how do I build that traditional e-commerce brand around this product that has worked? Um, is that is that accurate? Yeah, no, exactly. I I did that through. I've done it last year. I had an idea. I ordered it to my house. I spent four hundred bucks. Of course like the unit economics at just like a small order like that, it, I think I lost money on my tests, but I ran the numbers for if I had the confidence to do a bulk order. And those are the numbers I use to compare. Oh, if like, am I going to be profitable or not? So I ordered that small amount of inventory, got it done, figured it out as I went with this new like product space that I had never been in. And then as soon as I got confidence, I started placing bigger and bigger order quantities each time. And so now I'm placing much larger order quantities and it's just running more smoothly, but it wouldn't have ever started if I couldn't just reach out to people and ask what is their minimum order quantity. And that's what I spent a lot of time doing. I just go online, search up uh, private labels, wholesalers, check uh, um, Alibaba and see what the MOQ is and just get started. Like just start your tests. Amazing. So my question there is, so with the brand that you're kind of, let's say, A-B testing or testing kind of early, mm -hmm. and then the brand that you eventually do, are those one and the same? And is it the same because you've been treating the customer well? Or are you then rolling out a completely different brand for the actual brand version? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. When it comes to 
the name and things like that, that could change. But like, I'm keeping the customers on the same email list. If like, like if that helps, I'm not changing all of that around because I have no reason to, because even if their experience wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, like their labels might not have, um, I mean, their product might not have like my uh, label on it and my logo, like I want, they still had a good experience because that was a trade-off, but they also got a handwritten letter and a massive discount that people nowadays, as I'm scaling up into like the multiple seven figures, don't get the same way. So it's still a good experience regardless. This is a different experience. And I think the key is that what you touched on is the fact that you're authentic, right? You're writing handwritten notes and you're kind of expressing like what this means to you and kind of where you're at. And you're kind of buying empathy for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, mm-hmm. And you're not burning the exactly brain, right? You're really exactly. building that bond and that relationship where, hey, we're going to pivot and we're going to get better. Thank you for being with us early. I love that, dude. That is fantastic. No, exactly. Yeah. I just feel like for a long time, everybody always wanted to seem like a larger company. And I mean, at certain times, I'm sure it is a good mindset to run like a larger company, to portray yourself as a larger company. But I found when you're dealing with people just ordering straight from you, Everybody thinks it's cool to order from a small company these days. The same emotion of why people are obsessed with being like, oh, I was the first person to listen to Travis Scott before any of my friends. That's what it's like Like when you have this brand. Travis Scott's early music, early, early, isn't his best music by any means, but people have an emotional attachment to being there while like people are small, being that core group. So I try to communicate that same emotion. Um in those first couple thousand orders as much as I can. I love that. And yeah, I'm kind of seeing firsthand and also hearing, you know, about that exact same vibe. I think especially over the past year, there's been a lot more mm-hmm. support for like the small guys, right? A lot of like exactly. the corporations are kind of losing share to really small up and comers and people want to support local. People want to support that person that's working out of their basement, their garage, their house to make their dreams a reality. Um, and I think those are the people, and to your point, are going to win in the long run because the experience and the touch is there, right? You can be so high touch and you can write handwritten notes because you don't have 10,000, 100,000 orders yet, right? At scale, that's tough. Um, so I, I love being you know, raw and genuine and authentic um, early because if you carry those principles with you, that's how you build longevity in, in this world. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Like um, I've even seen an increase and we've have... Uh, done it ourselves, especially over COVID, we had plenty of times where we had a supply chain issue or just things just weren't going to plan between shutdowns, our offices being closed, the postal service. And we just straight up tell our customers exactly what's going on via email. And of course, we try to compensate them and we let them know like, hey, if you want to cancel your order, we can take care of that. But a lot of people don't even end up canceling the order. People always just want to be updated. Like as a service provider, when I had my agency, um, and I was working up under somebody else. The, one of the first things he taught me was like, hey, like, I don't care if it takes you longer to do what you said was only going to take you a day or two, but you need to communicate with me those expectations because that means so much more. And it always seems worse when you say, hey, I'm going to have this done in two days. Even if you have it done in three days, the fact that you didn't tell them, oh, I need an extra day, they're just sitting there in the dark. If you would have said, hey, I need an extra two or three days. They'll happily wait because you kept them in the light instead of being in the dark. And that's the same thing. It's like running these brands and working with customers. Like everybody just wants to feel like a friend and friends communicate with each other as openly as possible. Dude, yes. Everything you just said, yes. I completely agree with that. 
Um, so the, the next question I have then, like you have the two brands, you're active on Twitter mm-hmm. and probably other social platforms. Um, what does your team look like, right? Is it you? Do you have partners? Do you have employees? What does your team look like? Mm, so on one of my brands, I have partners who are very like heavily boots on the ground and working with the employees on like a day-to-day basis. Nice. And then for my other brand, I'm a little bit more stretch uh, thin on that side between the things that uh, you just listed, but I've worked with an agency for my Facebook ads. Um, I still do a lot of my email marketing myself. Um, and then I have two employees who are with me here, who I see on like a regular basis, who they kind of manage themselves since we're still a small team, but they take care of the production and, and the fulfillment and things like that. Nice. And the model that you're going in, right? So you have two two brands, you have, it sounds like partners on one and maybe some partners on another. Are you building like intentionally or kind of unintentionally, or maybe you're not doing this at all, like your own little like, you know, incubator kind of a sorts or your own little like holding company? Mm. Is that at all what you're doing? I think about that all the time. Like, I feel like that's what I'm leaning towards eventually. Like, that's what I want to do, no yes. doubt. And that's what's making me think about, oh, like if I'm running this and this and this, I might as well bring these things um, in-house and use all those resources towards my three things instead of having other people's attention split between agencies and stuff. So that's something I've been thinking about. But um, the incubator is definitely, or like a holding company is definitely something that's been on my mind. I've been seeing other people do it and it's really opened my eyes. Like uh, James Camp on uh, Twitter, he just started his holding company and he's somebody who really like helps me think about like the bigger picture whenever we talk. Yeah, dude, I, I love that. And that's something that works boring with our agency too, of like, how do we go build and acquire brands? Like, how do we go build and mm-hmm. acquire data tools? And how do we own, you know, the entire ecosystem in which this lands? Because, you know, you've been on the agency side, right? There's very few moats on an agency, but if you own your own brands, if you work with clients, if you own data tools and you own platforms, right, you kind of build this moat around your business where you're not just so reliant on clients staying with you, you know, month over month, quarter over quarter. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. One of the things that you've mentioned to me, I know in private, and also one of the things you just mentioned now is kind of your fascination and your love of email marketing. I know you've mentioned mm-hmm. that you're kind of heavy into it as a sales channel and you kind of leverage it for like research and whatnot. Um, I want to talk about two things on the email side. One is, can you yeah. share like, you know, how you learned to email and how long you've been doing it? And then two, mm-hmm. um, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on how you're specifically using it? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, the way I learned email was based just the same way I learned anything else. Like, even if I can't do it myself, I've always had an eye from just watching so many emails and stuff. I created an email specifically for signing up to email lists. I'm sure like a lot of people have done that. And I would just read all the emails I got. I started to figure out, oh, like this company is really good. And this company is really good. And this company is really good. And one of my favorite things that really that I implement these today is getting on the email list of like Agora and a lot of like a direct response publishers, because regardless of what you think about their morality or the products that they sell, their emails are good. And they show you how to get people to that very next page. And one cool thing is if you're on a bunch of these direct response um, email lists, you'll see the exact same email coming from a different list multiple weeks and days in a row, which tells you like, yo, this is killing it. Like I have email templates that I can search in my email that I'm like, whoever this publisher is or offer owner, people are sending this out, this exact template for the past year and they keep doing it, which tells me it's probably working. So 
I try to twist that to more of like a branded feel. And I use that in my brand. So I really learned from just uh, reverse engineering and then just trying it out. Like even when I had very, very young dropshipping stores that didn't have that many subscribers, I would send out emails two to four times a week. And if they each made 100, 200, I would be happy if it did uh, 300 bucks. I was like, like, this is just extra money coming in. And then by the time my email list grows and I'm in the, the tens of thousands, I know what works and I just keep refining it. And then over time, um, I bought a course from Ezra Firestone because I really was already a fan of uh, Cindy Boom. And now I've, I've, uh, I've taken that to the next level uh, with your course, which is really good. I talked to that about a person earlier today, actually, was asking me about it. And I was like, yo, like I already have it and it is phenomenal. Like, Absolutely. So that's how like uh that's how I learned and that's how I still learn now. Dude, fantastic. I pre- appreciate that. Ezra's a great guy and obviously appreciate the, the kind words about mine. So the thank you. Um in terms of like running and operating, you know, your your day-to-day of your personal stuff, your business stuff, whatever direction you want to take this in, um, what tools are you using? Like what tools are helping facilitate, you know, better workflow, better conversation, better time management, whatever direction you want to take this in. Yeah. Got you. Um, this is something I am really probably dropping the ball in because I am not a as organized I, as I would uh, like to be. So my current stack is I use Slack. Of course, I don't know who doesn't use Slack. I use Trello. Um, I want to start using Notion just to get like multiple things in one place. And then I use like my iPhone notes and Google Docs. So super, super basic, but it works for me. I'm sure I could uh, pick up the Slack in a few places, but uh, it just gets the job done because I know what I need to do every single day and everything else is just uh, just a little bit of a guideline to help me get those things done. Yeah. What I like about yours is it's, it's simple, right? And simple doesn't necessarily yeah. mean bad. It, I think every person needs to find the way in which that they can organize their thoughts and their their day-to-day and their week-to-week um, differently, right? So what mm-hmm. works for you might not work for someone else. So I, I love that. Um, you know, I use yeah. it for our agency and I'm a huge fan of it. So I think you also really, really like that platform. Sick. Um, well, cool. Those were the questions I had. I want to ask like three or four questions um, from folks on Twitter that were kind enough to share. Is that cool? Yeah, Yeah, of course. Let's go. Awesome. So the first one is, what has been your favorite project that you've worked on over the past year? Wow. Um, all my projects honestly have a special place in my heart uh, because it's not so much as like the day-to-day running of it, but there's nothing like those first sales coming in. Like I, I jumped up, up and down so many times when I got my first orders, but now that I've passed like the seven figure mark multiple times on different stores, I have not jumped up that same way as I have when I made my first $60 in sales. Right. And those are at a loss. And I was so excited because they're like, dude, it's so exciting to have an idea that it's just in your head. And even if you're like, hey, I can't get to this idea right now. Like, oh, like I, here's a perfect example. I was on a vacation one time and I had an idea for something. I was on a cruise. So like I didn't have internet. So I put it in my notes and I thought about this every single day on that cruise. And then I got home and I launched it. And that's when I made like those sales at a loss. But I was like, I literally just thought about this. I got sales. And it was just like, it was just in my head. Like I could have chose not to take action on it. And this would have never happened, but because I like put the steps into place, somebody just gave me money. And that is by far like my favorite thing about online business is starting from scratch 
and just like validating that idea. That's super, super exciting. I think in a couple months or a year or so, I think my next answer might be a big exit. But as of now, I'm going with those first couple of sales are way more important than any project itself. It's like the validation of the idea. I love that. And by the way, I would love to obviously have you on regardless, but if you end up having the exit and you're allowed to talk about certain things, we'd love to have you back on because that's something I don't think a lot of people talk about, right? There's going to obviously be a lot of pros. You're going to be, you know, smarter, wiser, richer, whatever, better off, but there's also going to be cons that maybe you didn't foresee, right? Like, oh man, like parting from this business or whatever it might be, I have to stay for three years on an earnout. Like this sucks. Like there might be, so um, (laughs) fingers crossed if, if that's what you're going for, that that happens. So um, that's awesome. For sure. Yeah, uh, no, I, I am uh, super pumped and I will keep you updated on that. Sweet. Um, the next question is, how do you reduce risk in e-commerce? And if you feel like you answered that through like the whole drop ship and then establish a brand, we don't have to do this one. If you feel like there's other things to mm-hmm. add, by all means, go for it. Um, I think I tweeted about this the other day. It actually might be in my pin tweet, but it's like, Everybody talks about market research to get to know their customer, blah, blah, blah. But like the way I like to see market research too, and just place emphasis on this is like, do market research to validate your idea. Like it's really that simple. Like I can sit down for half an hour, an hour and do a ton of market research and be 99% confident that what I'm going to sell is going to work. Not because I've seen the same exact product or offer sale. But because I know this product solves the same problem as another thing that is successful. So that's the best way to like reduce risk. It's like, hey, um, you know, athletes already are buying. Oh, my God, that was a bad example. Let's go with golfers. Golfers want to be better than who they're playing golf with. Right. So they buy clubs. They're buying lessons, all these things. Um, if you sell a product that's going to help them be better than their friends and it actually makes sense and it's actually true, it's probably going to work because every golfer is looking for an advantage against their friends. So that might be a training course that might be a pair of shoes. It might be some shades. It could be some sort of gadget, but if it helps golfers be better than their friends, they are going to want it because that is a underlying, uh, behavior that has been proven time and time again. And that's, that's the best excuse to, I mean, the best way to reduce risk. I love that, man. Thank you. Two more questions for you. So yeah. Um, favorite resources or books on brand building and brand positioning. Mm, I actually don't have a single book on this. Quite frankly, I, I went through a big reading phase, uh, probably like 2014 when I first heard of Ty Lopez, <laughs> I used to be like, Oh, I read 75 books this year, 2014. I made $0 outside of like just a regular job. Like I used to just read, 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 like read like half of this book or like, like, like a quarter of this book. Now I'm not really a big, uh, reader. Um, honestly, I still say like the, the live market is the best way to learn. Go and get yourself a spy tool or go and look at the top brands blowing up on Snapchat, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Go through their funnel, screenshot every page, buy from them and ask for a refund so you can go all the way through the funnel and then just review all of their stuff and just break down like, why is this brand popular? Who do they sell to? Why do these people buy it? What do they like? What don't they like? If I was to launch a competitor, what would I do to make it better? And you're eventually just going to get to the point where you're going to start to see all the commonalities of like why this works. And I think that's better than any book. 
Amazing. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And the final question, again, appreciate you, you being here is if you were to start a new business today, um, what would it be? And we can even just keep it like I would start mm-hmm. an agency, I would start a brand, I would start a course, yeah. I would start a paid group. Um, you can even just keep a high level of I would do an agency for X reason or a brand mm-hmm. for X reason. I got you. Um, I would honestly do whatever. And I literally mean whatever it takes to get your cash flow up. So in my example, I had no money when I wanted to do things. I went and got a job at a fast food restaurant. Other opportunities opened up immediately. And I never even ended up working at that fast food restaurant. But um, other than that, go back to the other example in regards to like doing the market research. If I had no money, I'm going to look at the marketplace between businesses and people, whatever. I'm going to say, okay, this company, let's say it's a fence company. I see their ads in my uh, Cities Magazine every single week, and I can't find anywhere else that they're doing their advertising. If I was inclined to start a fencing company, I would copy them exactly and just get in between somehow. So the same thing with an agency. If I saw an agency that was killing it for chiropractors, I'm going to reverse engineer their funnel. I'm going to figure out how they get clients and I'm going to go start an agency that way. So whatever I can just study for free, get in between, then I would use my money to fund other projects like e-commerce or SaaS, whatever else you want to work on. Great answer. Dude, thank you so much for being here. Uh, This was a lot of fun. What is the best way for someone to connect with you, follow along, ask questions, whatever it might be. Yeah. Just go ahead and follow me on Twitter, Kobe Gatsby. And uh, we could talk then. Send me a DM if you need any help. Awesome. I will drop your links, my man. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you, man. Of course. Bye.